thoughts had been on joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, in the midst of that, several verses came to mind. And I know today, if we're going to put this in a topical category, this will be in a topic category that I talk about an awful lot here. And you will understand as we get into the message today. And and there will be a message, Lord willing, or at least in my mind, that will be focused on joy in the midst of this. And this this is the setup for that. So today, let's, let's start in James, the first chapter. And let's begin by just reading the first four verses. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray once again. So, Heavenly Father, as we come before your word, I just pray, word of God, speak. Just by the truth of your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, minister to each and every one of us, Lord. Help us to fight the good fight of faith even now that we may hear from you and not be distracted by lesser things. So, Father, help us, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. James gives his greetings, and then immediately says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And perhaps these thoughts have been coming to my mind just because of the things that's happened in my life over the last few months. And now that I'm on the other side of of things, especially in regard to my knee uh, healing up and getting around better, now I can go back and look and evaluate myself of how I came through it and did I count it all joy while I was going through that particular I'm going to call it a trial in my life and perhaps there are times when all of us need to take a moment to stop and look back how we fared as we went through particular difficulties in life And did we count it all joy? Count it all joy when you fall into the various trials. And I know I've said this before and and I've said it many times. Again, this is a topic that, that, that I have stressed over and over and over through the years. And today is just going to be another day for me to do that. Because this I know, at some point in all our future, unless the Lord calls us home before, All of us 
are going to face a trial, a test. We will. We will. And and I know every time I say that, uh, perhaps there would be people that would think, well, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. That's just that's so uplifting and encouraging. Every time you tell me that I'm heading for a trial, and, and as always, I want you to know this: that I don't say that to instill fear or to instill dread or anything else. I I always say that because the Word of God says it, so that we may be prepared for when those times come. There's a, I looked through some old notes and I found a a note that talked of the J.B. Phillips translation of this particular passage of James. And just let me read. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. You see, I pray that as we consider the Word of God that that when trials come that we won't think how terrible this is. But by the grace of God, we must remind ourselves who is in control. God. And He allows trials and tribulation into our lives for a purpose. And so, may we not think, well, what a strange thing this is. Why is this happening to me? Because often... It seems the child of God, when they do come into a trial or tribulation of life, it's almost like they throw up their hands and and, and all they can think about is, why me? Why is this happening? Why? And there are many people who falsely believe that when you become a Christian, you won't have any more trouble. That all will be health and wealth and great things ahead. Nothing but prosperity for me. And when someone who has been taught that over and over again falls into a trial, what do you think their mindset's going to be? They've not been equipped or prepared from the Word of God to deal with it. But I pray that we will come to the biblical truth that the trials that come to test our faith are blessings too. Yes, God may bless us with health. And He may bless us with with finances. He may bless us with many different things on earth. And and I pray that that you will have many, many times and, and seasons of tranquility in your life. But there will be times when the Lord will stretch you to grow you. And it's not a strange thing now, you know where we're going to go. Who said that strange thing? It was Peter. So First Peter 4, verses 12 through 13. Beloved, 
Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Is James and Peter hand in hand in their thought here? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Don't think it's strange when you concerning a trial, fiery trial that you're going through, but rather rejoice. Trials are inevitable. They are not unusual. Jesus Himself said we will have tribulation. And I know we talked about this to some degree several weeks ago now when we were in in Romans, and we will get back to Romans in time. The Lord has has us in in this particular place for now. And Jesus said this regarding tribulations in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's the words of our Lord and Savior. But in the midst of that, when we take the whole of God's Word, we can have peace in knowing that we can overcome Now, we read it this morning already in in the song part of the service. Well, let's read it again in Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And it is written for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord and again put yourself in a verse nothing shall be able to separate me as a child of god as a born-again believer From the love of God. Count it all joy. When you fall. Into various trials. Now that that word for fall. Translated as fall. Is used only a couple times in the New Testament. And I just want to point these out. It means to just happen upon or to stumble into. It was used once in the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, look at Luke 10, verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell, there's the word, and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, this man didn't go looking for trouble. He wasn't expecting trouble. Trouble found him. He fell among thieves. An unexpected tragedy. 
And such is life, is it not? And then Paul uses the word in describing one of his shipwrecks. If, if you go into Acts 27, verse 41, and I'm going to read this from the King James Version as it puts the word fall, falling in there. So this is uh, the King James. And falling into a place, and the New King James, the ESV, and I didn't look at any SV, says, and striking a place. But it's that word, fall, fell. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So here they are. They're sailing along. A place where two seas meet. Probably a great wide expanse, perhaps. No trouble in sight, apparently. And yet they run aground hitting a reef. And many times that's how trouble comes to us, does it not? Everything in life seems to be going great. We're just sailing along, if we could put it that way. We're sailing along on the sea of life. And boom. Our ship hits a reef. All looked like clear sailing, but we couldn't see the hidden trouble coming our way. We fall into a trial. We happen into a trial. It's not something that we, that we conjure up of ourselves. For the most part, it's always something that just happens. Unexpected. Fall into a trial. Now, <laughs> is it just bad luck or sheer coincidence that we fall into a trial? No. No. Who, who directs our path? The Lord. God allows trials in our lives. Yes. Yes, He does. For what purpose? For the testing of our faith. For the testing of our faith. And then the question may come, so... So, so God wants to know how good our faith is? No, no. He, he knows our faith. He knows. He, we go through a trial so that we might know the depth of our faith. Is it a true faith? Is it a living faith? Is it a saving faith? Is it a trusting faith? That, that's why we can go back after we've gone through it. We can go back and do that evaluation. How did I do? Let me grade myself as I went through that test. What kind of grade am I going to give myself for the test that I just went through? And that word test means to prove whether or not something is the real thing or genuine. See, to prove if gold was genuine, it was placed in the refiner's fire. And there are times when our faith is placed into the refiner's fire. And who's the refiner? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And, and Peter again spoke of how to view trials. Uh, let's back to First uh, Peter. Verse chapter, verses 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, 
In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, and I know I've said this so often, who determines the if we need it or not? The Lord, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So you go through a trial, yet believing... Yet believing, believing what? Believing God's Word. Believing His great and precious promises. Believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet believing, we rejoice with joy, unspeakable, joy inexpressible and full of glory. Yet believing... I'm going to go ahead and ask the question again today. Do you believe? Do you believe the Word of God is true? Do you believe the Gospel of Jesus Christ? John 3, verses 14 through 18, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Is there more important? Is there a more important question to be asked on the face of this planet than the question, do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb, to give his life a ransom for many, to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who would believe. So by faith... Apostle Paul said, I plead, be reconciled to God. By faith, believe and receive Jesus Christ. Confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Repent of your sins. Receive Christ. Turn and follow Him. Then, as a true believer, we can go through trials with joy and hope. And I know we've talked about this, and some of you have, have told me yourselves, I, how could someone go through these type of things without Christ? How do they deal with it? Well, some just go into deep despair and depression. Some turn to various drugs, alcohol, anything that can take their mind away from 
not having to deal with what's before them. But for the child of God, we can rejoice in the midst of the trial because we have been made more than conquerors over it. Because of Christ. Because of Christ. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it, consider it, deem it, judge it to be all joy. (laughs) Pure joy. Complete and total joy. And Lord willing, the next sermon, we're going to be talking more about joy. And and I know I've talked about this before. Happiness and joy are two very different things, are they not? Uh, I've got a quote. I didn't reference it. I, I don't remember who this came from. But just listen. To have joy in the midst of trials does not necessarily mean we will be hilarious and laughing about the trials we are experiencing, but it means we will have a deep-seated confidence that God knows what He is doing and that the results will be for His glory and our good. That's good, isn't it? That's good. You know, count it all joy. It doesn't mean we're going to be Laughing about what we're going through. It could be something very serious that we're going through. But we will go through it with a deep-seated confidence that God knows what He's doing. God is in control. Romans 8.28 You know it. You know it. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And the testing of our faith is for a purpose. Verse 3 in James 1, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Uh, See, this testing, this refining produces patience. NESB produces endurance. Uh, I like the ESV rendering produces steadfastness. Steadfastness. And this testing may involve suffering and pain. I can identify with that. I look at Scotty. He can identify with that. I can look to others that, that have gone through painful, physically painful things. Some of you have gone through emotionally painful things, sometimes these trials can be a painful thing. But look, Isaiah 48, verse 10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of Affliction. Sometimes that will be me. Sometimes that may be you. That the Lord will test us, not as silver, but will test us in the furnace of affliction. Why? Now perhaps, perhaps to burn away all that may be hindering us. Again, Lord willing, the next sermon is going to be talking about 
we're going to be coming back and referencing a lot of this. I am the vine, you are the branches. What happened to some of the branches? Thrown into the fire. And He will prune all of us, will He not? He will cut away some of the things that we need to get rid of. And this testing is there to refine us, to mold us more and more into the image, the likeness of Christ. And this testing produces uh, the, the KJV, you know the word? Worketh's. Worketh's. This testing produces, this testing worketh's patience, endurance, steadfastness. And that, that word for worketh or produces in the Greek, and here you go, you got to get your Greek lesson today, has an intensity in its definition. And you know, I didn't come up with this on my own. I read that the verb, this is a verb, produces, worketh, that the verb is in an emphatic compound form, giving it a perfective force. So now you're going, well, thanks for sharing that with us. But it means, it means this. It means this. It means that the work is continued until the task has been worked out to a successful conclusion. The result being that of patience and steadfastness. The test, the trial is continued until there is a successful conclusion. Steadfastness. Now, is, is, it, is it rolling around in your brain of what that means? We may face the same type of trial or test over and over and over again because the previous test or trial was never worked out to a successful conclusion that of patience and steadfastness in our lives. You ever think about that? Have you gone through the same trial over and over again? I have. Apparently, I didn't learn what I was supposed to learn. And if you have, you didn't either. And so we'll go through it again. And the Lord will teach us. He'll teach us. See, will we be trained by it? Will we be trained by it? That verse 4, back in James 1, verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, may this patience or steadfastness have a perfect work, that we would lack nothing. Perfect, perfect. That's from the Greek word, I don't even know if I can pronounce it, doesn't matter, telesio, which does not mean sinlessness, perfect, that doesn't mean sinlessness, but rather refers to being fully developed or mature. That we would grow in Christian maturity, that we would not remain a babe in Christ, but mature and develop in knowledge and Christian character. Every trial that we go through, hopefully, we are learning. We're learning and we're being trained by the trial or the circumstance of life that we're going through. 
And we're being more molded more and more into the image and likeness of Christ. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. <laughs> are, you, are you ever lacking? Huh. I have been often. And if we can boil it down to perhaps, what am I lacking? Let me just throw this word in there because it's going to be in the in the next verse, how about wisdom? What am I lacking? And perhaps when you do an evaluation, perhaps you could say the same thing of yourself. Well, I'm lacking wisdom. James 1.5. Let's go a little further. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without approach, and it will be given to him. You see, Scripture says much about wisdom, doesn't it? Much. And James 1.5 has often been used as a standalone verse that you can pluck out of there as a verse for asking God for wisdom. Now, now James in chapter 3 will talk about a wisdom that is from above that bears the peaceable fruit of righteousness. He will talk also about a worldly wisdom that is earthly and sensual and demonic Let's stay in chapter 1 and attempt to keep verse 5 in its context. And the context of where it's found here, it's sandwiched within these verses talking about testing and trials. Now, why do we need wisdom when we are going through a trial? When I'm going through a trial, I'm going to say, is my prayer going to be, Lord, give me wisdom? Or am I going to jump to Lord? Lord, give me strength. Lord, Lord, give me grace. The Lord, Lord, give give me give me answers here. Lord, deliver me from this. Is that going to be our only prayer? Why ask for wisdom? Well, listen, everybody listening, say Amen. We need wisdom so that we will not waste the opportunities God is giving us to mature in our faith. We need wisdom so that we will not waste the opportunities God has given us to mature in our faith, to learn from our trial, to be trained from the trial that we have gone through. You know, John Piper wrote that little booklet uh, after he had uh, prostate cancer. Don't waste your cancer. Or don't, I, th- I think maybe it came from don't waste your affliction. Uh, but, But it's true, isn't it? Wisdom helps us understand how to use these circumstances of trials and testing for our good and God's glory. That's what we want, isn't it? That in everything that we would say and do, that it would bring glory to God. Because people are watching. And in particular, perhaps, they're watching when we go through trying times. And they're going to watch to see how we're going to respond to those trials. And may we not waste our affliction. May we not waste our trial. I could ask the little simple question, why would any trial overwhelm us? (laughs) Lack of wisdom. Lack of wisdom. Matthew Henry said this, quote, 
we should not pray so much for the removal of an of an affliction as for wisdom to make a right use of it. <laughs> Matthew Henry's good, and he the Lord used that man. We should not pray so much for the removal of an of an affliction as for wisdom to make a right use of it. James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you do. I don't know about you, but he didn't need to put that if in there. He just said, you lack wisdom. And perhaps there would be some who would be listening to this sermon, even right now, and you're in the midst of a trial, you're in the midst of the problem, and you're, you're just saying, I just don't understand why this is happening. And, and that's okay to ask that. But come to the realization that, well, the reason it's happening is because God is in control. So then what should I do, preacher? What should I do? Well, how about Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8? How about, how about there for a place to start? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isn't that a great verse? Isn't that a great reminder? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Man, quit trying to figure it out on your own. Trust the Lord. Go to His great and precious promises. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. First thing to do is acknowledge that God is on His throne. That God is God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Is that a promise? In God's Word? I, yeah. I'm going to say yeah. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Acknowledge the one who has the answers. Acknowledge the Lord. Uh, the Apostle Paul's prayer in 1 Timothy 1.17 And now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Acknowledge Him who is immortal, invisible, who alone is wise, and give Him honor and give Him glory. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. See, the Apostle Paul often prayed for those in the churches he was ministering to that they would have wisdom. And so may the, the, the prayer that is in Ephesians 1, let's go there, Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 19. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, being opened. That you may know what is the hope of His calling 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Isn't that a great set of verses? That we would know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. I, I I don't know about you, but I don't fully comprehend the exceeding greatness of His power toward me. I'm still learning. <laughs> that you may know the exceeding greatness of His power toward you. Colossians 1, verses 9-12. through 12. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The message is the same over and over again, is it not? Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power. Again, acknowledging Him for all patience and long suffering with joy. Count it all joy. Don't think it's strange, but rejoice. We've often looked at Job and the multitude of trials that he faced and if anyone needed this wisdom, it was Job. And he, he asked the question, didn't he? Let, let's look at a few verses. Job 28, Job 28, verses 12 through 15. Job 28, 12 through 15. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living the deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not in me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. Let's drop down verse 20 through 28. For where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its ways and he knows its place for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a wake for the wind and apportion the waters by measure. Then he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt. Then, then he saw wisdom and declared it and prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord. Where do we find wisdom? We'll go to the Lord. We'll go to the Lord. See, this wisdom is not an accumulation of knowledge. It's not our intelligence. It's not how high our IQ is. It has been said that knowledge is in the head, but wisdom is in the heart. Wisdom is a spiritual commodity. 
Knowledge we can get at school from teachers and books. Wisdom we get from God. So you can obtain knowledge without God. If, if I could say that. We know everything happens because of Him. But you can only obtain wisdom from God. Spurgeon said this, another Spurgeon quote, just a little short one. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. That's a great little quote, isn't it? Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Knowledge is an accumulation of facts and figures. Wisdom is an application of faith. Wisdom is knowing how to live God's way in God's world. Because it is by the word of His power that all things consist and all things are held together down to the smallest particle known to man by God. We lack wisdom. And we need wisdom. And how do we get it? How do we get it? We ask of God. The same God that James identifies in in verse 17. If we drop down to James 1, just verse 17 for a moment. Every good gift and every perfect gift, including wisdom, comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Ask of the God from whom every good and perfect gift comes. The God in which there is no variation or shadow of turning. He is not one way on Sunday and a different way on Tuesday. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And James says you're going to have to ask if you're going to receive. Jesus said in Matthew 7 verses 7 and 8, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. See brothers and sisters. We will not have the wisdom. To face trials with joy. Unless we ask and believe. That God is more than able. To sustain us. And help us through. The trials and the testing of our faith. Is He able? There's a question for us all to ask ourselves. And in the time of a trial or of testing that we would ask ourselves then, in particular, is He able to get me through this? Is He able? Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews 10, 23. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Every promise of God found in His Word is yes and amen. Trust it. 
Trust his word. Trust his word. Trust that God is on his throne. Trust that God is in control. And trust that he is able. That he is able. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. For you are the one true God. You are above all things. Nothing compares to you. And you have provided a way through Jesus Christ that we may come to you. The God of all things, the God of all creation, holy, righteous, all knowledge, all wisdom, all able to help us, able to do all things. And we've been given very great and precious promises in your word. Paul gave us one when he said that that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But we know it's not us. It's you. It's not our strength. It's you. Sometimes we need to be made weak so that we might know that our strength is found in you and you alone. So Father, when the trials and tribulations come, help us to remember all that we have learned from you. Help us to not forget. Help us to not just immediately fall into into despair and go into a tailspin. But, But Lord, help us to stand firm, be steadfast, and go to your word. And as best we can to hold on to you, our anchor, the anchor of our soul. And Lord, in particular, for those who are going through physical pain and anguish, give them an extra measure of faith during those times. Lord, I, I can identify with that. And it is hard. But you are faithful. For those who are going through just mentally stressful and trying circumstances, Lord, give them peace of mind. And, and that comes as they look to you, as they look beyond their circumstance and look to you. So, Father, help us all, regardless of, of what trial or testing it is that we're going through, to be able to look beyond it to see you. And then to learn from the test that we're going through. And Lord, that we may, as we're going through the test or the trial, that we may be a godly witness in the midst of it. And that we may be able to point others to Christ and to you, going, hey, I know I'm going through this, but I know the Lord's going to bring me through one way or the other. So Lord, give us a full confidence and assurance of faith. And Lord, again, I just ask that should there be anyone who would listen to this sermon and yet be lost, that they have really no hope other than what they can muster of their own. And when a 
they go through some circumstance of life that, that is a trial, they have nowhere to turn other than to themselves or just to other people or to worldly knowledge. But Father, I pray that You would have mercy, that You would open their eyes to see You and in, and in seeing You and of the light of Christ shining toward them, that their sin would be revealed, that they would fall before You, most holy God, as You would grant faith and repentance and grant them a belief that they might repent of their sins and, and, and go to the rescue of Jesus Christ. So Father, help us. We all need You. We need You. Oh, we need You. Every hour, we need You. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.